relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Welcome back to America First with our very special guest, Uncle Jimbo. It's Jim Hansen. Yes, it is Jim Hansen. And uh, as my rant pointed out in the, in the opening segment, uh, the people running our country are not just incompetent, but they're also awful. And the problem is where they are competent is in using our security apparatus against we the people. And I want to talk next with a good buddy, Will Chamberlain, who is senior counsel at the Internet Accountability Project and also uh, part of the Article 3 Project. Um, Will, I I am having trouble actually keeping up with all the evidence dropping recently about government collusion with the tech tyrants to censor political enemies. I'm stunned, at least. We knew it was going on, but the the amount of, of actual proof coming out these days is gobsmacking. Yeah, no, it really is stunning how many different government agencies were in on the sort of misinformation slash disinformation racket. And I mean, yesterday, I think there was a Twitter files drop and and saw something about how people were proposing we need to censor truthful speech that might lead people to draw the wrong conclusions, like straight up truthful, you know, truthful speech about their reaction to the vaccine, for instance, that just might lead people to think the wrong way. That's totally unacceptable, totally not the way that our government should be working. Um, And yet, that this is what somehow like not only government agencies, but government, you know, nonprofits and NGOs funded by like the State Department and the Health and Human Services. All these people are just involved in trying to get Twitter to, you know, create a discursive world that they prefer. It's stupid. We need to. It's really unconstitutional. To it's, yeah. it's horrifying. Now, they, they obviously yesterday was a good day because we had mm-hmm. Matt Taibbi and, and Schellenberger up on Capitol Hill um, telling the people. And testifying to Congress about what was going on. Can we play a uh, video cut to uh, Matt Taibbi? A focus of this fast-growing network, as Mike noted, is making lists of people whose opinions, beliefs, associations, or sympathies are deemed misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation. That last term is just a euphemism for true but inconvenient. Undeniably, the making of such lists is a form of digital McCarthyism. Ordinary Americans are not just being reported to Twitter for deamplification or deplatforming, but the firms like PayPal, digital advertisers like Xander, and crowdfunding sites like GoFundMe. These companies can and do refuse service to law-abiding people and, and businesses whose only crime is falling afoul of a distant, faceless, unaccountable, algorithmic judge. Digital McCarthyism and true but inconvenient. I, I, I swear that, you know, I mean, we're, we're writing from Orwell's script here. And I, I think there's, there's two things I'm concerned with. One is it is obviously at some level unconstitutional for the government to outsource censorship. What, what is the course of action, though, you being one of the lawyers I want to unleash on the world? What is the course of action we can take to stop that? Is it just defunding them? 
I mean, well, first off, that you know, under current law, you could file a civil rights suit, uh, a 1983 suit, and sue the government and and the private actor that's you know working with them um, for a violation of your civil rights because basically, like, if if a government is violating First Amendment rights, that that would be the the avenue to to go ahead and sue them. And I mean, they're under current law, like, you actually can get a remedy. So you know, that's why there have been. I think some somewhat promising lawsuits where people have identified, hey, here's an instance of the government actually trying to censor me, and I'm going to sue the government for that. Um, that, but that said, I think there maybe needs to be a little more punishment here. I think we need to make this a little more stringent. Um, you know, public. We, need, we basically, I think there needs to be laws that specifically deter government officials from suggesting accounts to be censored, um, making that a criminal offense, making an automatic firing offense, for example. Um, you know, you could that could probably be done at a level of regulations when a future Republican president gets in in terms of like, you know, instructing his civil servants that this is completely impermissible. Any hint of anybody doing it will be an immediate termination offense, that sort of thing. Um, but so that, that, that doesn't require. So you're saying that doesn't require a law. You could do that through executive action, through the agencies that are to have because you'd be firing government workers or disciplining them at some level. Right. 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 I would assume. I mean, that just strikes me as the kind of thing that obviously that the you know, the, the executive branch could police itself if it wanted to, right? If it, it, it wanted say, to, there is the, yeah. yeah, now we know the deep state doesn't want to. So um, there, there's this thing I always hear about article F is, is that mm-hmm. now, would that be another way schedule to deal F. With the, schedule F where they, they increase the number of people who are subject to removal or replacement as political appointees, as opposed to part of the permanent bureaucracy. Is that another good tool for this? Right. I mean, it's expanding the definition of who con- who who counts as a political appointee. And since political appointees can be terminated basically at will, uh, it means that you get a lot more control over the bureaucracy as a general rule. I think that that necessarily that doesn't doesn't necessarily um, overlap with this type of rule, which would be a rule for everybody in the bureaucracy to say mm-hmm. you don't get to go to Twitter and do this at all. It's just straight up a violation of your terms of employment and an immediate, you know, for cause termination event. Um, I'm not sure how, I mean, that might have to go through formal rulemaking in order to apply to the civil service or something like to, to your just low level bureaucrats. But as a general, I mean, as a general concept, that's the kind of thing that I think a competent executive branch could easily impose that rule on the civil service and, and all law enforcement where so it's they, like, they, if you, well, they'd, they'd have to have someone then shepherd that because you'd obviously have the deep state pushing back against that and every one of their mm-hmm. you know, pieces of inertia that they use to stop the things they don't want, they'd be using. But if, if a new Republican executive came in and said, I want this done, you know, and appointed, say, mm-hmm. somebody like Rick Grinnell, you know, somebody who's yeah. used to pipe hitting to go ahead and say, mm-hmm. I'm going to walk office to office. You're going to hack off on this. You know, you have 15 minutes to register your objection and then you either sign this or pack, you know, and then we get something like that done. Um, That seems beautiful to me. Yeah, I think that I mean, that would be a big fix. I I, I do. I do believe that this is the kind of thing that a competent executive White House could impose on the civil service. Right. Like and because it's just it's just effectively a rule that it, it changes how terminations proceedings can work. Um, and it gives just a little bit more ability to fire. I mean, it just classifies something as, you know, obvious for cause termination. Now, I mean, it's always hard to fire government employees as a general rule so that, you know, there's there's always going to be some amount of sand in the gears. But a rule like that, that just so obviously and explicitly bars a particular type of conduct will still have a, a very strong deterrent effect, I think. 
You know, and, and the funny thing is we actually have to dis- have a discussion that says if you are found to be flagrantly violating the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution right. in the course of your governmental duties, you can be fired. I mean, that's right. just stunning that that has to be said, but that's literally yeah. what you just outlined. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it has to be done. I mean, the Biden administration isn't interested in doing it. So many of the people who were out there requesting censorship, they still have their jobs. Or I mean, or they voluntarily left a while ago, but none of them, none of them are being pursued by the Biden administration, certainly. All right. Well, um, I, I like the I like the lawsuits for civil you know, rights violations, and I like the, the terminations. Um, we're talking with Will Chamberlain, senior counsel of the Internet Accountability Project. Um, after the break, Will, I want to dig into the tech tyrant side of this, because obviously mm-hmm. the government was violating the Constitution. Um, the tech tyrants aren't bound by that. But we also now have enough evidence of of their malfeasance and and actually, you know, doing their shareholders wrong. that I think there may be some ways to come at them. So I want to talk about that. Um, We'll be back in just a little bit with Will Chamberlain talking a little bit more about how to get the jackboot of the tech tyrant thugs off the neck of the American people. I'm Jim Hansen. This is America First Radio. Today, we are partnering with Food for the Poor to provide urgently needed food to some of the most impoverished countries in our hemisphere because of interrupted planting cycles, rising food prices, and the lingering impact of COVID. The list of families unable to feed their children grows longer by the day, but you can make a difference to these families. Today, a meal-for-meal match means your one-time gift of $144 provides a family of four with food for a year. That's two meals a day for the next year for a family who struggle to get even a handful of rice or enough corn for a tortilla. Knowing your gift will never have more impact than right now. Will you rescue one family, three families, or even ten families? Go to sebgorka.com and click on the red Send Food banner. Text the keyword G-O-R-K-A to 91999 and you will get a link to make your life-saving gift. Or to give your gift by phone, call my toll-free number 855-330-4673. Welcome back to America First with our very special guest, Uncle Jimbo. It's Jim Hansen. Hey, folks. Glad to be back sitting in for Dr. G. Uh, We talked last segment with Will Chamberlain of the uh, Internet Accountability Project about the fact that the government is colluding with tech companies to censor uh, citizens for legal protected speech. And he had some great ideas about what to do about that. Now we got to jump the fence because the tech tyrants on the other side have a lot more freedom. They're not bound by the Constitution in, in many ways. You know, and, and they're private companies. We're free market capitalists, more or less. You know. How do we, as the conservatives of this, decide that we need to take action against the tech tyrants in a way that doesn't end up biting us in the long run? And I, I think there's a couple things. Right now, the Biden administration is actually pursuing an antitrust attack on Google for advertising monopolies and, and Facebook, I believe, is tied up in that, too. Is that one route or what are some other ways we can go after them uh, to go ahead and rein them in? 
Sure. I mean, I see antitrust as a blunt object in the sense that, you know, it can have some negative consequences. But as far as I'm concerned, Google's brought this upon themselves. Mm -hmm. Like there was I, I don't know if you guys remember, but I think Tom Cotton had this great speech when he was on a committee interrogating a Kroger CEO who was coming and being upset that, you know, the Senate was trying to block a merger or something like that. And Tom Cotton said, you know, I see you guys are doing all this woke stuff. So, you know, normally I might be inclined to defend you, but since you guys have no interest in, you know, actually furthering any values I support, best of luck to you. You know, and that's <laughs> like, what Kurt Schlichter has said, and, and he, he will say it again later this, this show, all weapons are in play at this point because they're not playing by the rules. And it doesn't matter at this point if we hold our high and, and mighty moral high ground if we lose and end up living in a communist paradise. Right. I mean, and so as far as I'm concerned, that these companies need to take a beating from the Democrats to remember who their friends are. And maybe next time around, we'll think about helping them when it comes to antitrust. Maybe. I like uh, that. I like that. You know, uh, but in in the interim, I think even there is definitely some reforms we should try and impose. And one of them is a private right of action for people who are censored. Um, we know all these Silicon Valley companies, ex with the exception of Twitter, uh, like censoring people on the basis of their political beliefs. Uh, and we should make that essentially unlawful. We shouldn't. It shouldn't just be unlawful because the government is pushing the button. In that case, I mean, the the ability to speak on these platforms is so central that it's. Uh, I mean, you don't really have meaningful free speech without it. And it also, if you ban the private companies from doing it, you end this whole game where the government tries to suggest people to be censored or to like imply that certain people are be censored, but retain some sort of plausible deniability to say they aren't really in control. Well, if the private camp companies can't do it either, then the private companies just get to tell the, the government no when that happens. So that's another another very good reason. What's to, the to, what's the mechanism yeah. for that? Because one of the things I've heard that seems to make sense and that I like is declaring them some sort of public accommodation or a commodity. And I would set maybe an arbitrary number. If you've got a million customers mm -hmm. of any kind, you can no longer censor or deny service based on things that are not illegal you know or... right so you you create a tort right you create right. A, a type of lawsuit okay. basically with a federal law and it's a new type of lawsuit that says that if you are a social media user on a platform with more than x number of followers and you get banned or deplatformed or censored for reasons we deem impermissible then you can walk into court, get an injunction that forces the company to restore your account, along with attorney's fees and maybe some putative damages as well. Um, and nice. that that sort of law means that you don't need like a regulatory agency to, to be deciding and you don't need to rely on regulators, although you could if you want you, if you wanted to add some additional teeth. But you basically would be relying on private litigants to walk into court and essentially punish the companies if they breach their obligations. And because companies hate lawsuits, they don't really want to walk into a bunch of them over banning lawful speech. So they, I mean, if you pass a law like that, they'd really pull off the accelerator. And um, there you go. We want to change their careful. behavior. And I, I think you, you hit on a point. If we create administrators, they will eventually be subsumed into the permanent bureaucracy. And so they'll eventually turn that against us. Mm -hmm. So I think I like the idea of leaving it in the hands of the people. Yeah, and, and using lawyers, right? I mean, we we generally the right has been a little reluctant to use lawyers because they have leaned left and donated left. But ultimately, lawyers lawyers go where the money is. And so, if the the right says that okay, here's a new pot of money, it's if companies are banning our our you know our voters, then you trial lawyers can make some money suing them. They they'll go sue them. 
I mean, yeah, if they'll chase ambulances, they'll certainly chase, you know, <laughs> a little censorship thought policing action. All right. I, I like that. And I appreciate having somebody like a, a lawyer. It's funny. I know too many lawyers now that I am on good mm-hmm. terms with. It's, it used to be only if they were criminally defending me. Uh, but anyhow, <laughs> I'm going to open up the phones right now. one uh, 33 gorka if you want to talk about government abuse of a power. But I really appreciate Will Chamberlain, Senior Counsel of the Internet Accountability Project, for both his good ideas and his constant good work, trying to maintain the few liberties we still have and clawing them back from the hands of the deep state. I'm Jim Hansen. We'll be back with more America First Radio after the break. Did you notice in the State of the Union speech last month, Biden doubled down on his spending plans, adding even more to the federal deficit? That doesn't bode well for the value of your money. Sebastian Gorka here. Biden's disconnected view of the economy means there will be no meaningful steps taken to lessen inflation and lower interest rates. Your cash reserves and investments will be worth less, which is why I recommend calling veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your wealth with the stability of gold while you still can. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the destruction of inflation and the ruin of a recession. Don't let Biden's misguided economy wipe you out. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. Go to MidasGoldGroup.com or call 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-GOLD. It's gold you can hold. MidasGoldGroup.com, 855-322-GOLD. This is America First, and I'm delighted to welcome our special guest host, Jim Hansen. Hey, folks, I'm happy to be back. And I know who's happy when I guest host. It's Alex who gets to pick the sound music because I either give him good ideas or he plays stuff he knows Seb would strangle him for, and it's awesome. So we get interesting bumper music. Uh, But right now, we got interesting guest with my good friend, Kurt Schlichter, who is the author of the Kelly Turnbull series, of which you should buy. They should buy the whole set. Inferno is the latest one, but they should just buy the whole set and have you sign them, right, Kurt? Damn right. And I was uh, just writing number eight. Now I now I know what you're thinking. Why is Schlick wearing a hat? Because you mocked my hair. <laughs> I mocked your hair because I don't have hair. I accused him of having Darren Beatty hair because Darren's hair is awesome. You know, and he generally and yeah, look at that. That's impressive. Look at that. Like, it, 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 it's I, a thing. I, 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 it back when I got up today and it for those it, of you who it, aren't it, watching the live stream and, and like, doing this on radio Kurt's hair is like six feet above his head but yeah. you got what you've got on is a US Army hat with cav sabers on it as I see uh, no rifles is it rifles I oh, all right I, I was 11 alpha okay uh, there you go there are flintlocks um, but I wanted to ask you I you had mentioned in the break that there was a poll that uh, may or may not say some bad things about Army recruiting that they seem to be hiding. And uh, what do you know about that, buddy? Well, look, uh, I, got the, uh, I know that uh, Jim Banks, who is a representative, he's a Navy guy. We'll, we won't hold that against Let him. Let him slide. Rep- kind of military. Representative from Indiana, a great advocate for our military, running for Senate. He got Mitch Daniels not to run. So he deserves credit for that. Anyway, he's been hassling the Army because the Army says, well, we did a poll. And the poll says the problems with recruiting are that people are afraid of being harassed. 
or the barracks aren't nice, or, you know, they're just not thinking about the military. They just don't care. They're just not patriotic. Oh, and there's no, no one mentioned wokeness and no one mentioned uh, COVID vaccines. So Jim Banks said, well, let me see the, the poll. And the army said, well, no, we can't because of reasons and um, lawyers, which, and I being a lawyer know that that's Hogwash. <laughs> Hogwash being the polite term. Um, that's Hogwash. really interesting. So I think there needs to be a little oversight because last time I checked, doesn't uh, is it banks on armed services? I think he is. You know, or if he's not, somebody handed over. Yeah, somebody on well, armed services he, might want to ask for that. Well, yeah, yeah, I I think they will. And of course, you know what the wokeness question will be. You know, are you opposed to inclusion and giving everybody a fair chance? <laughs> right. Well, no. See, you don't care about so-called wokeness. Uh, here, here's the thing that gets me. And you were a first sergeant. Uh, I was a, uh, a company commander, a battalion commander. And this 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 will tick you out. You're going to get mad. <laughs> one of the generals had come along and said, you know, one of the reasons our young people today don't want to join is they're afraid of getting hurt. Let <laughs> that, that spin around your mind. Now, Keep in mind, 13 of these guys, you know, were killed in Kabul, the gross incompetence of the military leadership, senior leadership. Uh, I I know what happened at the battalion level, and that was uh, they did a good job. But these guys went out to uncleared Afghans, didn't hesitate, got close to them because that was that was what they had to do because they were put in that position. They didn't hesitate. They weren't scared. This is a grave insult to our people, Jim. I'm. So it's so hard to maintain FCC compliance by insulting <laughs> our young groups. And and that's the thing. There's it's not that those people are scared to get hurt. It's no. that they're they're not being shown a reason to go ahead and join. Why would you join yes. the US military right now? What's the mission? The mission is pride parades and pronoun practice. You know, what do we do? We ran away in Afghanistan, got our people killed. You know, we, we have shown absolutely no, no ability to project power in a meaningful way. No one's scared of us. And the only thing you could do is potentially be cannon fodder in World War III. You know, I, I wish, the, I wish the, the patriotic kids of this country were being told the truth about it because they would, re, they would enlist in droves. Well, they're, look, they're making a rational choice. They see a military yeah. leadership with a gross track record of incompetence that hasn't won a war since, well— 30 years ago, I was there, I remember, and I got to tell you, winning's better than losing. Um, they, they, they don't trust the leadership to have their back. This vaccine thing was a cancer. The woke thing is a disaster. And, you know, it is now a legacy operation. Most of the people joining up are people whose parents were in the military or whose relatives or who had a vet say, hey, you know, you, you should join. And they listen to that. Now, all I get today, I was on the, you know, I was on yet another uh, text thing with a bunch of freaking broken down old colonels going, I'm telling everybody, uh, don't do it yet. And, 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 and if you do join, we totally support you, but you've got to understand this is not a military that, uh, uh, is going to take care of you. And that's the funny like thing. That. Cause it, it was also when economic times were bad, you know, there yeah. were plenty of people who would join then or who would join just yeah. to get college benefits and things like that. If we can no longer even attract people for that reason, you know, and we're down to the point now yeah. where the military, like all of the other major institutions in our country, is simply an organ for social engineering. 
yep. you know, and pushing that agenda. I can't imagine how you tell someone to join. Well, look, there are a lot of people who joined the military who had a bunch of other options. There's some guys who grew up, to, like my first sergeant uh, at, uh, at my first company, he said to me, you know, Lieutenant, my, uh, my brother's dead. My sister's a prostitute. I'm a first sergeant. I'm respected. There and you I, go. I was like, man. Okay, now and, I got to be. Rude. But, but, but there are a lot of guys who have a choice. You know, you can go to law school mm -hmm. or you can go into the Army. Uh, I chose to go into the Army. I didn't have to. I wanted to because I wanted to do it. And those are the people we want. True. Now, I, I, I had kind of a mixed path into the Army because my dad was a, a Vietnam, <laughs> he was a Vietnam vet, two tours, two, two years in Vietnam with yes. uh, 11th Armored Cav and, and the Big Red One. But, well, yeah. And he was a West Point grad. You know, so I had that path in front of me. Um, and then I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And I partied like a rock star for one semester, and I got five incompletes. And my dad, so you were literally D Day. I was D Day. I was. No I made D Day look like a slacker. Yeah, and I did it. And Wisconsin was a well-known party school. And I got home, and my dad saw that report card, and and he crumpled it up and threw it in the fireplace, and he told me to get out of the house, and I need to get a job where they can't fire me. I should consider the army. And so <laughs> I swear to God, that's a fact. I told Seb that story before that it's happened. A great story. Yeah. And, but the thing about it is that I military the national radio show. Well, and I, I, it turned my and life. Your wife is amazing. And my wife's a retired Lieutenant Colonel and a paratrooper who was on the fourth bird into desert storm. It just, it changed my life for the better in a way that I don't think it can anymore. And I think that's what we've lost. You know, even if you were a complete screw up, like I was at the time, I, I learned discipline. I was given a mission. I was forced to actually accomplish tasks instead of just, you know, stealing oxygen and, and keeping my uniform off the ground. And I don't look, think we have that anymore. Yeah. I mean, look, I was just a suburban kid. I wasn't particularly, you know, tough or uh, hardcore. Uh, I hadn't led anything before. And the Army gave me the opportunity. I wouldn't be here without the uh, army. I want that for our young people. And I want them to know what it's like to be part of an organization. The, the United States military is the greatest engine of human freedom and liberty in human history. Not even a close second. It should be, yep. it, it should be something that people are fighting to be a part of. Yeah. And, and the thing is, we, if, if we lose that, We've lost a great egalitarian meritocratic yes. piece of this country where people from every, you know, organization. When I went to high school, I, was, I came from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. We had one black kid in my high school in the fourth quarter, and it was a Jamaican exchange student. All right. There were no black people where I lived until I got to basic training. And then all of a yeah. sudden, hey, we all bleed green. We're all the same, you know, and, and it became a place where you were judged not by anything other than your ability to do your part of the mission. Exactly. I went, look, I, I, I went to officer candidate school. I went through basic training. I get put in this platoon with guys. That, look, I'm a suburban kid from California, man. I'm with guys from the South, the North, lumberjacks, you know, cowboys, farmers, uh, they all thought I was crazy because of my wacky alternative music. I was like, what kind of music is this? Well, I like two kinds, country and western. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, and, and we all had to work together. And it was, I mean, I, 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 look, I, let's not be modeling about it. It's not always fun. 
And I'm not saying that people didn't throw fists once in a while, but mm -hmm. you got past it. Yep. Right. And, and, you, and, and it, you worked together, and it was. Um, and when it works, it's pretty damn cool to be a part of. And as you said, there has never been a greater force for good. All right, we're talking with Kurt Schlichter, senior columnist for Town Hall, author of the Kelly Turnbull series, including the latest edition, Inferno, where he shoots a lot of people and also passes a billboard sign advertising my stakes, which I thought was great. Uh, this is Jim Hansen. We're going to do some more America First Radio with Kurt after the break. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented the MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 has a buy one, get one free offer with promo code GORKA. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio list of square for the buy one, get one free offer. Enter promo code GORKA or call 800-829-8468. That's code G-O-R-K-A. Go today. Welcome back to America First with our very special guest, Uncle Jimbo. It's Jim Hansen. See, Alex is messing with me again. That's what that's the Hobbit music, right? Or Lord of the Rings or something. All right. Well, at least people get stabbed in that. Hey, listen, I thank God every day that America is the freest nation on earth and we remain free because of the right to keep and bear arms. No other company in America personifies that right more than Car Firearms Group. Their story is the American dream and their products are absolutely second to none. Car Firearms Group is your source for high-quality firearms. Visit them at www.kahr.com. I carry car every single day, and so should you. Well, hey, um, we are talking again with my good friend, Colonel Kurt Schlichter, who likes to carry a gun or two himself, who has carried them in defense of this country. And you had brought up at the break the debacle that they're turning into the army who we're slagging on today because they suck. They're screwing up their ability to replace the weaponry our troops will need when they get us inevitably into World War III. What, what exactly have they messed up so far? Well, look, they're looking at a new gun, the uh, uh, squad weapon. They, they called it the XM-5. They're going to have to change that to XM-7 because some civilian guy had XM-5. <laughs> of course. Uh, and they've done the, First of all, they've got this new caliber that doesn't significantly aid in ballistics. They're using a, uh, uh, they want to be able to defeat armor, so they want to use a tungsten penetrator. But guess who owns all the tungsten? The bad guys. Yeah, yeah, it's all China. Uh, the best part is they did their tests on this gun, and they're like, okay, this is a great gun. It's a nice-looking gun. It's a nice-looking. Um, but the civilians took it, and they put it in the mud, and they drag it through the mud. And when they dragged it through the mud, it, uh, oh, I'm back. 
uh, when they dragged it through the mud, it jammed after uh, one shot. Then, then yeah, guns never get dirty, though. Fight. Now, of course, I ran a heavily armed car wad, so I'm not exactly <laughs> Audie Murphy. But even I know that you want to be able to shoot more than once. And you also want your gun to fire if it's got a little dirt on it, because every place I ever went, there was mud and crap and piles of dung and everything else, man. It was awful. Okay, so let me ask another question, because once we change calibers, one of theirs, my dogs, I knew they were going to come for it. Oh, they're the dogs, of course. There are the dogs. But uh, one of the things they're doing is they're changing caliber. Now, one of the things you want to be able to do is find more bullets. Can you shut the damn dogs up? <laughs> Is that and biting? You know my house. You know exactly know. where she's going. I know. I you know, know they're sitting on the they're sitting on the uh, uh, stairs, going, "Okay, he's on." He's wow. on. Get him! Get him! <laughs> but you you yeah, want you ammo that you could get somewhere else. So the whole point of five five six being a standard and seven six two for the machine guns for a long time was that was a round you could get elsewhere. If you switch to some obscure caliber then all of a sudden you're the only ones with that. And you, you can't capture ammunition to use for your own weapon. Yes, that does provide a problem considering none of our allies ha- uh, are using it either. And with no significant ballistic benefit, um, why, would you, uh, why would you do this? And the answer, is, I'm the, guy, the answer is we're the guys who thought creating a uniform with a camouflage pattern containing... Colors not found in nature is a good idea. Yeah. Oh, it's digital because this is digital and we can hide wow. from computers. I mean, what the, like the internet. Exactly. We can, we can hide online and no one will see us. And incidentally, I am wearing my camouflage today, my urban uh, designer camouflage. Um, nice. But hey, I want to I bring up another person be hated by all military people because of her disgraceful un-American activities in Vietnam, helping our enemies in North Vietnamese. I'm talking about Hanoi Jane Fonda. Now, here's the thing, all right? She was on The View talking about how to stop them from stealing the right to kill babies. She's very pro-abortion. And I mean, as as a dirty, skanky, skeezy, you know, whatever, she she would be. But she came up and they, they asked, well, how can you do that? And after they had eliminated the, the normal thing, she says murder. And the, even the Herodans on The View freaked out. They're like, oh, no, no, you didn't actually mean murder. And she's nodding her head. She's like, yeah, murder. And I, I, to me, that was just another reason to bring back the fond memory back when I drank of downing a couple beers and then going into the team room bathroom where the Jane Fonda, the Hanoi Jane urinal target would be there and peeing on her head. I'm sure you've yeah. done that at a there at a VFW or somewhere. That's a that that that's a classic moment. Look, it's a rite of passage. Uh, the fact that the demo, you know, every time the Democrats, I support our troops, and yet they allow this uh, uh, hideous crone to associate with them. It tells you what they really think. And as far as Jane Fonda, look, we've had a problem with shattering norms, except the problem hasn't been us because they shatter norms. And then we make them into a suppository. There are three guys <laughs> sitting on the Supreme Court, Jim, uh, because the Democrats shattered the norm of filibustering judges. Right. Now, if they, if they want to shatter the norm of no political violence, I'm against that. It's a bad idea. But I think that the people who don't own a bunch of guns are probably going to come out on the 
on the tearful end of that uh, uh, that tunnel. There's a it's there's a not phrase. A good idea. Yeah. She should shut up. Well, she's not going to though. That's the good thing, and, no, and no, it no. brings to mind that that time honored phrase: "Payback's a medevac." You know, if you guys want to play by those rules, you could end up. You better hope that uh, Alan Alda, nice left-wing butthead that he is, is there at the MASH unit when you show up getting loaded on that medevac. And I I find it just ironically, crazily painful that you're talking, this is a woman who is fighting to support the right to kill babies. And she's so virulently in favor of that, that she's willing to kill judges and politicians to maintain her right to infanticide. Bravo! I mean, bravo! You are a great moral human being. Well, she was always willing for the communists to kill Americans and torture them. Yeah, there you go. Uh, So this is nothing new, and this is our enemy. And, you know, I I think people need to be based, as you have said uh, many times. (laughs) They need to understand the nature of our enemies. Dude, buy a watch. Figure out what time it is. These are not friends who think differently. They are not people with a different viewpoint that we should break bridges to. These are people who want us disenfranchised or dead. And I got to tell you, I'm 58 years old. I'm too old to be a sir. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I was never any good at it even when I was younger. I was actually worse yeah. at it then. Now I've at least got something to lose. When I had nothing to lose, I was ungovernable. Now that I have stuff to lose, I am going to remain ungovernable, and I think that's a good thing. Um, so you're working on book eight of the Kelly Turnbull series? It's called Overlord. I've written a couple chapters, uh, and it is pretty damn based. Weird. Uh, Weird how that happens. I know. A lot of gunplay, a lot of action, uh, a lot of uh, – uh, woke satire which sadly has been overcome by events you know i I wrote people's republic uh seven years ago and people were like you know i love the book it's entertaining but you know a lot of this stuff about woke blue america that's never going to happen and now they're like (laughs) you're a prophet that's the problem we can no longer keep up with with the left they are such a a caricature of everything that we said yeah it's satire's dead um colonel kurt schlichter author of the kelly turnbull series by inferno Buy the rest of them, get him to sign them, be ready for when Overlord comes out, and uh, stay and get and stay based because that's the way to live. I'm Jim Hansen. We'll be back after the break with more America First. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
This is Second Amendment Friday on America First, brought to you by Car Firearms. I thank God every day that America is the freest nation on earth, and we remain free because of the right to keep and bear arms. No other company in America personifies that right more than Car Firearms Group, led by our good friend Justin Moon. Car stands strong and unashamed in their support for the right to keep and bear arms. Any and all arms that the people might need to stand against tyranny. Americans can be sure that no matter what happens, Car Firearms Group will be at the front lines fighting for Americans' Second Amendment rights. Their story is the American dream, and their products are absolutely second to none. Car Firearms Group is your source for high-quality firearms. Visit them at www.kahr.com. Everyone should carry Car Firearms every day. Portions of America First Radio are brought to you in part by Car Firearms. All right. Well, this is Second Amendment time here on America First Radio. And uh, we do we have Pete on audio at least? Well, I'm here, but it, it keeps wanting to call you. Okay, there. Is that All better? Right, good. No, we're good. But we got a good picture of your head. So we're going to go ahead and just use the, the video or the picture of your head because we'll use the ideas coming out of it. So, Pete, I wanted to have you on for two reasons. Number one, I know you are a, a very serious gun guy. We both are. We were in first special forces group, uh, the pointy end of the first group spear in Okinawa even. Now, I, I guess I talked with Kurt Schlichter a little bit about the new uh, army squad weapon and, and they're changing calibers and they're doing some other things. What's your thoughts? I, I'm always concerned when you move to a non-standard caliber that you can't scavenge ammunition. You think that's going to be an issue? That is exactly my concern. They've gone to a new, uh, a new caliber, which is not standard throughout NATO. And um, uh, exactly, uh, you, you've got a, a problem with it. It's immediately an exotic round. And then, you know, I mean, it's one thing, okay, it may, and, and the, the problem is apparently it's not even that much more ballistically, you know, interesting, you know, in, in a meaningful way. And you've taken away the, the chance for people to be familiar with the round, to, to have it, to, to train with and all those other things. So I, I think the military is trying to be a little too cute, which seems to be a problem for them these days. Yeah. And of course, the other problem is um, what, what's wrong with the 308? I, there never was anything wrong with it. They just decided it was too heavy and people get tired carrying it. Wait, I want to ask you. Now, we, we both were in first group, obviously, that I spent enough time in Washington State um, to be concerned about what was happening there, even back in the days I was there. But they seem to have gone crazy, and they just passed in the in the Washington State House a new piece of legislation that would declare pretty much anything other than a flintlock rifle and a Colt single-action army pistol to be an assault weapon, which they want to ban. And I, I, I'm just curious, do they actually think they can get away with this? Well, they're going to have to get past the Constitution, and they're going to have to get past the recent uh, uh, Supreme Court rulings. And uh, their law, you know, a legislature can pass any law it wants, but here in the United States... We uh, do have a litmus test, which is called the uh, Supreme Court. And uh, near as I can tell, the last couple of major Supreme Court rulings, D.C. versus Heller and, and Bruin, which uh, Justice Thomas just gave us, 
did two things. You know, DC versus Heller enshrined an individual right apart from any so-called militia or National Guard need for a citizen to keep arms. And then Bruin has extended that to the other half of that, which keep and bear, meaning it, you can't prohibit people from being able to carry the weapons in, in self-defense. And Washington State seems to think they, uh, they no longer have to play by those rules. Um, well, we know, we know their perspectives on things. I mean, just look at the way they're conducting business in their own state, what with the Chaz and the CHOP. And uh, they're just <laughs> ultra-left wing, ultra-liberal. Um, and, uh, it's the same sort of thing. People think they can legislate, uh, you know, the tide from not coming in and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. And I, I think that's, I think you're, you're onto it though. They, they're kind of like, you know, Cal, we always think that California is the place, the laboratory for woke insanity, but I think people who, who know will actually let you know that you can drive right up that coast. And once you yeah. hit Oregon and Washington, um, the crazier you drive through normal America once you get to the northern you know, inland empire part of California and then you hit San Francisco. But once you hit Oregon, the Portland part and Seattle, you are in woke crazy town. I was in uh, Portland uh, about a year ago, and it's like a bad dystopian science fiction film. I mean, a, a total socialist paradise. Uh, the the downtown is a disaster area. Um, I, we yeah. we drove down. We were driving from uh, my wife and I did a lap of the country back uh, a year ago. And once even every place down the highway that you can see, there are homeless encampments. I mean, it was it was stunning. Not just dozens. There were hundreds, maybe thousands of homeless people in encampments all along. And it starts in Seattle. You know, they've got they've got entire communities where they literally have been building themselves little ramshackle tenements yeah. for, for homeless people to live in. And, and they don't seem to think that this is somehow not a, a sign that their their vision of society is failing. Going from the airport. Uh, in, in the direction of of the center of the town, it's just mile after mile of uh, shantytowns and. um it makes me think of uh, a Steinbeck novel, but at the same time, uh, the closer you get to the interior, you can see these are uh, the kind of homeless people who are there because of uh, drug addiction and mental illness. And, and the benevolent, tolerant left ha has decided that rather than help those people, even if you have to help them by force, we're just going right. to let them flounder and die in squalor. I, I think it's horrifying. It, it just shows the, the failure of, of the left. All right, well, we got to take a break. But, Pete, after the break, I want to dig into your mind because you happen to have some expertise as a special forces combat diver. And I want to talk a little bit about the, the Nord Stream pipeline sabotage. So we'll be back right after the break with my good buddy, Pete Crittenden, author of Survival Mindset. And uh, we'll go ahead and, and dig into whether or not the Ukrainians could have been the ones who actually did the Nord Stream sabotage. This is Jim Hansen, and this is America First Radio.
to America First with our very special guest, Uncle Jimbo. It's Jim Hansen. Oh, it most certainly is Jim Hansen. And we're back with my good buddy, Pete Crittenden, who is the author of Survival Mindset, a great book. But he's also got a novel, which you can also find at Amazon, called 1,000 Drops of Rain. Um, just go get them. I mean, this is good stuff. Our people are putting out good stuff. You should buy it. Um, Pete, I got a question for you because you are a special forces combat diver. Could the Ukrainians have hired either commercial divers or some former special ops guys to go ahead and do the Nord Stream sabotage? Is that technically possible? That's within the realm of possibilities, but you got to start looking at likelihood. Okay. Which is, which is what we do in the intel business. Now, would it be likely that Ukraine would, is it in their interest to cut off uh, fuel that is required by their wannabe NATO allies in a very, uh, uh, you know, uh, spectacular manner? I don't think that's highly likely. If you want to go down uh, the, the list of likely uh, characters, Number one, United States, uh, we said we were going to do it, then it happened, then we didn't deny it. It's within our capabilities. We didn't deny it for like, what, two weeks or more? Yeah, no, then we enough. came up with this pipe dream that the Ukrainians did it. All right, now let me, um, let me give you a reason why it would be, why Ukraine might want to do it. Because you mentioned that this threatened the energy supplies of their NATO allies, which right. gave those NATO allies a reason to be invested in Ukraine's war. So if Zelensky's looking at it saying, all of a sudden this war is dragging on and people may not be wanting to continue to back me, but yet all of a sudden the Nord Stream pipeline blows up and now they've got skin in the game. The Euros need this, you know, and, and the U.S. can't allow stuff like that to happen. Then all of a sudden he does have a reason to do it. Who else has a reason to do it? Well, let's see here. India, if they can cut off, you know, uh, Russian sales of uh, energy to Western Europe, India's getting, you know, uh, a really good deal these days on on uh, low prices for energy from Russia. Although that's kind of extraordinary to think they would go to these kind of lengths. Russia itself, could they sabotage the thing? They're capable of it. I'd say that's pretty low on the level of likelihood, but they are capable of it. But um, I guess I know, and we don't have a lot of time, but I just I just wanted to clarify because one I, I think it was Ukraine. And it, now there's a there's stories that it was there was a sailboat it had Ukrainian nationals on it. But it, right. it is something that technically, if you had people, you know, we're only talking eighty to a hundred meters, right? Deep dive, hard dive, but still possible for non Navy SEALs. Oh, uh, certainly. And nowadays, with uh, with mixed gas capabilities uh, that are out there, and if the Ukrainians did it, they didn't have to use Ukrainian nationals. They could have used contractors, i.e., mercenaries. Right. And as you said on Twitter, which I thought was one of the funniest things about this, we we know it wasn't U.S. Navy SEALs or there'd have been a movie, a book deal and some hair gel endorsements. Pete Crittenden, author of Survival Mindset and 1000 Drops of Rain, books you should get. Thanks for your expertise, buddy. Thanks very much. We'll be back after the break with more America First. This is America First, and I'm delighted to welcome our special guest host, Jim Hansen. 
Well, I am delighted for Sebastian to welcome me as guest host. And as guest host, I'm delighted to welcome Mr. William Shipley, who is one of the lawyers who is doing tremendous work for all of the January 6th defendants. Not all of them, but he's got a, a pretty extensive list of clients that he's supporting. And what I want to point out is you should be helping him because he needs the he needs funding to keep these guys from getting steamrolled by the, the abuse of power and prosecutorial misconduct and everything else that's going on. So there is a give, send, go that is January 6th defended. Is that correct, Bill? January 6th Legal Defense Fund. January 6th Legal Defense Fund. I wrote that down and then even read it wrong. January 6th Legal Defense Fund. Please go. And if you need to find a link to that, you can find his Twitter, which you should follow, at Shipwrecked Crew, and go ahead there. And and please help if you can, because he's doing what he can to to stop some of the the tremendous miscarriages of justice underway. Now, Bill, there's been a, a bunch of that we've seen, and we've been watching as the American people for the first time some of the things that actually happened on January 6th that they've been hiding from us. How's that affecting some of your clients, including one who who gets a lot of attention? But how how's this going to help the shaman? Yeah, I um, Jake. Chansley became my client not long after he was sentenced. He was justifiably unhappy with the work that his lawyer had done. And uh, in a roundabout fashion, I had a conversation with his mother. And it just, out of serendipity, Jake called his mother from the Alexandria Detention Facility at the same time I was on the call with her. And so the three of us end up in a three-way call just out of the blue, and that call went four hours. Wow. Um, so uh, I've, I've, I've been with him now for about uh, 14 months, 16 months, I think. Um, and we've explored lots of opportunities and options for him. Um, but this is, this is something new. Uh, you know, I've been very critical of lawyer Albert Watkins. Albert Watkins went on TV and said he never saw these videos that Tucker Carlson played earlier this week. Um, I have now reviewed the file that I got from Albert Watkins, all of the materials, and those videos are not in the material that Albert Watkins had. So I don't. there's no reason for me to think Albert Watkins didn't send me everything he had. And if that's true, he didn't have them. It says he didn't have them. I've never seen them before. Well, why would and, you not? And, why would his lawyer not have seen them before? That seems to me to be one of the most fundamental violations of the government's right to present a defendant with potentially exculpatory evidence, which that certainly well, the, looks to be. Yeah, the, 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 the facts are a little more complicated. You know, you know, I don't want to get away from known, known historical facts. Okay. Chansley pled guilty in August of 2021 pursuant to a plea agreement that his lawyer recommended. His lawyer negotiated it with the prosecutors. His lawyer recommended it. In in August of 2021, the Department of Justice was still telling judges and defense lawyers, don't set trial dates. We haven't got you all of the video evidence yet. They were building a database where they put all of the video evidence in. That was not done until December of 2021. So they were the Department of Justice was being candid at that point that 
we don't yet have a mechanism to develop or to, to, to give you everything we have. That shit. Okay, so, so let's, let's accept that as a, as a factual proposition. They should not have gone into court before Judge Lambert portrayed Jake Chansley as you know, uh, the personification of evil and, uh, and, uh, and the face of the insurrection and, and described him as being violent when there were videos in their possession that showed a lot of activity contrary to that. The, the videos and, show yeah. him getting a guided tour, more or less, of the Capitol with Capitol Police helping him gain entry yeah. to places yeah. he was asking potentially to go. And n- none of it anywhere shows him doing anything vile. He gave a prayer in the Senate. He was, he was yeah. nothing more than a figure. And didn't they actually claim that part of the reason he was sentenced so harshly was because he became an emblem of the insurrection? Is that, is that something they can actually do? Well, I, 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 they called him the face of the insurrection mm-hmm. in their paperwork. Now, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm becoming more and more jaded the more I see. It's like, did somebody decide that this guy in this kooky getup made the perfect iconic photograph? Yep. And 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 select him for that reason, and put him on the cover of Time, and then proceeded to demonize him because sure that seems was like it. We've talked about it. It it sure seems to line up because the fact is they had a lot of evidence that would have undercut. That imagery never been released, and Nancy Pelosi, Democrats, never released it. Kevin McCarthy did. Now, is so, that something, is that, does that fall under prosecutorial discretion? Can they do something like that, you know, even though okay, they're presenting so, a, a semi-inaccurate narrative, but it's not technically false? No, uh, they can't mislead the court. Okay. They, you can't do that. They, you know, that's, that's a comment I made um, on Tucker um, that you know you can't only provide half the information to the judge. The judge doesn't have any independent way to get video evidence. He only knows what the parties give him. When the government puts forth only evidence that paints the defendant in the most in in the worst possible light, and then withholds from the defendant the opportunity to establish some counter you know, uh, 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 narrative or conclusions mm-hmm. that that evidence never sees the light of day. That's just fundamentally unfair. It might not. And I can't, I can't say this yet conclusively because I haven't seen it. I can't make any judgments on what I haven't seen. It might not ultimately have made a difference in terms of guilt versus innocence. He right. went in the, Senate, the, the government really played up going in the Senate chamber. Everybody that went in the Senate chamber has been treated pretty harshly. So, so it might not have made a difference on guilt versus innocence, but it certainly would have had some impact on Judge Lambert and maybe caused him to question the narrative that the government created in its paperwork and with the limited videos it showed. Because, I mean, they, they went in, and even the people who went in there, it's not like they were in there ha- doing human sacrifice or doing anything heinous. It was more like cosplay 
you know, where they're they're going, okay, we've gotten into this place where everyone is is famously known to give speeches and they're giving speeches and taking pictures. But they, they weren't burning it down. They weren't destroying it. They were basically making a, a political play out of that situation. Now, is there a way, well, uh, now that this is known, that you can use this to, to help him in, in future potential appeals or anything? Absolutely. Okay. We are now he waived in, in the plea agreement. Once again, his lawyer talked him into an early plea before he had all the evidence in that plea agreement. His lawyer traded away his appeal rights. He gave them up. Oh, so God. when I took over his case, I, I had that appeal waiver confronting me. It's like, OK, can I get around the waiver? If I can't get around the waiver, what remaining options do I have? You know, those are typical kinds of evaluations you've got to make when you come into a case after you know, the trial phase is over, but, you know, because this evidence was apparently, and there are still questions to be answered, you know, questions to be asked, answers to be obtained, because it was apparently withheld, or as the law says, suppressed by the government, that may create some avenues for us to get the matter back before Judge Lambert. And I believe if we can get it back before Judge Lambert, when he's given a full portrait of Jake's activities, he might think that 41 months was overly harsh. That's up to Judge Lambert. And now, here's the here's the unfortunate consequence. Okay, Jake is Jake is very close to being released. You know, the Bureau of Prisons math isn't real math. They have there's there's opportunities. He was sentenced to 41 months, but there are things that he can do, programs he can participate in that allow him to trim time off of his sentence. Mm-hmm. And he has done that. And his ultimate time in custody in a BOP facility, crediting her for the time he sent in jail here in D.C. awaiting trial, his ultimate sentence is only going to be 26 or 27 months. And then he'll be released to a halfway house in his home community um, for a certain period of time. And he's rapidly coming up on that number. So okay. once he's released, there, what more is there for him as a remedy he's already served the time well i think we're going to have to talk about things like potentially the government recompense to these prisoners who were treated unfairly uh william shipley there's a give send go the january 6th legal defense fund give send go please help if you can because he's helping a lot of other people as well bill greatly appreciate it Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.